Hello, and welcome to I Watch This As An Adult, the podcast where I review movies from my childhood from an adult perspective. And this week, I'll be reviewing 1994's Blank Check. It's been a long time, shouldn't have left y'all. Without a dope review to step two, yeah, I'm back, baby, I'm back. Welcome back to I Watch This As An Adult. This is your host, Mikael Ford here. I'm back with episode 30. Episode 30? Episode, we way past episode 30. We on episode 102. I'm back. I've been gone for two weeks, but I'm back here. Giving y'all what y'all want, keeping y'all entertained, keeping y'all fed, doing what I gotta do to 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 to, to make y'all happy. Cause without me, without you, there is no me. You know, so I'm back up here. If you, if in case you guys wanted to know, I gave you guys the heads up. I, if if you follow me on Twitter, which which by the way, follow me on Twitter at I watch this as an adult. Follow me on Twitter, please. Okay, follow me there. Um, I'm a little rusty, so I'm a little rusty today. It's gonna be a couple of slip ups, but uh, you know, Ed, I I don't I don't really fucking edit. I do it live. I'm like Bill O'Reilly, do it live. God damn it. Okay, I edit every once in a while if it's something that's really drastic, but I don't really edit. You know, I really don't. So I'm like, do it live. God damn it. I'll write it. And we could do it live, god damn it. But um yeah, I'm like that. Um But yeah, man, just we were supposed to be doing uh a month for women. We were supposed to be doing an international women's month. Is what we were supposed to be doing uh this month in March. Me and uh me and the wife, me and my wife Shauna had had this plan. This is my this that was my wife's idea actually for March for it was for us to do International Women's Month. We do movies about women. And what we had in mind, we had a uh we had an idea to do films about uh femme fatales. That's what we were gonna do this month. We had like single white female lined up, we had fatal attraction, uh uh, uh what's the other one? Basic instinct. Uh, and and the hand that rocks the cradle. Those were the movies that we were going to do uh, this month, but uh, unfortunately, everybody got sick. Like my daughter got sick. Uh, it passed through her, and then she got my wife sick, and then my wife got sick. You know, so and it was just the thing of, oh, you're sick. We can't do it now. <laughs> we can't do it now. So she got sick and I missed, I missed two weeks because I didn't know what I was going to, I didn't know what I was going to do those two weeks. I didn't have anything else. I didn't have a backup plan. Honestly, I didn't have a backup plan. I was like, what movies can I do in order to keep this, keep this thing going? But then, cause I was going to do single white female by myself, actually. But I was like, ah, I can't do it because this is supposed to be this was her idea. And I don't want to do it without her. 
you know, so this like it was my wife's ideas. This was Shauna's idea, and I was just like, I don't want to do it without her. So I just I just took those weeks off. I gave you a Batman review. I gave you guys a Batman review. You can go back and watch that. Um, but yeah, man, I'm back. I decided that I was, I decided I was like I'm not gonna take another week off. I gotta do something this month, you know, just to keep just to keep uh. The, the 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 numbers up and to keep this keep this thing going i gotta keep this thing rolling so um we're doing blank check today that's what we're gonna be doing we're gonna be reviewing blank check uh before i get into uh things i watched this week because there's a couple of things i wanted to talk about that i watched this week uh man uh as a as a wrestling fan and as a hard rock fan i want to i want to give two rest in pieces uh, if that if that's a if that's a phrase, uh, I want to say, uh, rest in peace to Scott Hall, aka Razor Ramon, who died at the age of sixty three. Uh, from uh, I think he was having hip replacement surgery. He was having hip replacement surgery, and he had three heart attacks, and and he was on life support, and then they, they then he they let him off life support. He passed away, unfortunately. Uh, at the age of 63, Scott Hall was actually a favorite of mine. He was actually one of my favorite wrestlers. More, more as Razor Ramon. He's more of a favorite of mine as a kid as Razor Ramon than he was as Scott Hall in the NWO. I didn't, I wasn't really a fan of him in the NWO. I was more of a Razor fan. I love the Ra- I love the Razor Ramon as a kid. For the, for the for the for the time for the little time that I was watching wrestling in the mid nineties, because I kind of stopped watching. I think I stopped watching altogether. I think I stopped watching altogether in like nineteen ninety five. I didn't go back to it until maybe like mid ninety six. I want to say, and then I was and then I was just like watching it in like I was watching it sporadically. I wasn't like a fanatic about it. I didn't become a fanatic about it again until like 97. You know, <laughs> like that's when I, cause like you had the Heart Foundation and you had the Nation of Domination and you had DX and you had Stone Cold Steve Austin and like all this stuff that was just starting to happen. Like wrestling was starting to get cool again. And then I was watching a little bit of WCW with the Cruiserweights and then you had Goldberg going out there beating everybody's ass. And. He had the NWO, but by, by the time I was watching the NWO for a little bit, it was kind of played out, you know. <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, he had all that shit going on. But yeah, Razor was my dude, man. I loved me some Razor Ramon, man. The first uh, four-time Intercontinental Champion, which that was a big deal at the time because nobody won the the uh, Intercontinental Championship that many times <laughs> at the time. Now. There's guys that have won it like eight, seven, six times. You know, like there's an uh, there's a wrestler named Chris Jericho. I believe he has the most. He is nine. He's the he's a nine time Intercontinental Champion. Uh, so, but Razor was the first to do that. Razor was the first guy to win the Intercontinental title more than two, more than two times. Cause there's been there's been a lot of two time champs. You know, Bret the Hitman Hart is a two time champ. I think like Shawn Michaels is a two-time was a two-time champ at the time. Um, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, all those guys. There's been a lot of two-time champs. There hasn't been a three-time champ at that time and a four-time champ at that time. 
So, uh, very, 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 very significant in pro wrestling history. And, like, he's, he's going to be missed, man. Like, good night, bad guy. Also, another shocking uh, death that happened, I just found, I found out about yesterday. Taylor Hawkins died. Uh, Taylor Hawkins, the, the drummer for the Foo Fighters, passed away in Columbia. And nobody, I don't think they released a, I don't think they released a, a cause of death yet. But that was like a really shocking death. They're like, they're really like, I'm not gonna lie, like that, 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 that shit kind of ruined my fucking day for a bit. Not gonna lie, man. Cause like, I saw that cause like, I was just on my phone. I think I was on Facebook. And I follow, I follow Mastodon, the progressive, the progressive metal man Mastodon. I follow him, and they had a picture of Taylor on their on their Facebook page, and they were talking about condolences and sorry for your loss and all this stuff. And I was kind of like, "Oh man," I was like, uh, "Taylor lost somebody, you know, like he, like somebody died in his family or something like that." And then I had to look again. I was like, "Wait, I was like, wait, they talking about him?" I was like, "Taylor died," and it was like, "Wow." It just that just took me the fuck out. I was like, "Yo, man, how? Like, why, man?" Because he was only he was only he was only fifty. He was young, man. He was really he was he was he was young, man. I know a lot of guys like fifty ain't young, but fifty is you you still moving around. A lot of people like you ain't supposed to really die at fifty. You know, I mean, like you got if you fifty years old, you got at least like thirty more. You got at least, like, 30 more good golden years in you, man. Like, at least 30, 40 more years in you, you know, before you're supposed to pass away. Like, a person that dies at, like, uh, at, like, 90 or something like that, they lived a good life. Uh, a person that dies in their 80s, they lived a pretty good life, too, because, like, uh, my grandfather died at, like, I think 85 my grandfather died at like 85 years old. So I was like, he lived a good life, you know. If I could make it to 85, I'd be. If I make it to 85, man, uh, like that'd be a milestone for me, you know. Like I would, love, like that would be fucking awesome uh, for me. But to die at 50, man, that's young, bro. That's real young. And my condolences go out to everybody. My condolences go out to his family. My condolences go out to the rest of the Foo Fighters. You know, like just just something that's something that probably took them by surprise. And I think they were on tour too. I think they were on tour because like they got an album out now. Uh, they just recently put out an album, and then uh, they had a movie out called Studio Six 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 that came out where like they're like making fun of like they're like making fun of horror films and shit. Uh, so like. He was, cause like this is, I think this is why it was so shocking, because he's in the, he was recently, in, he's recently in the public eye. The uh, Foo Fighters get, they got a song out now. It's like being played on the radio right now. Uh, Love dies young, which is wow. Uh, what a what a title now. Uh, they got uh, a title, like a song out now. Like they, there's a video, there's a video for it where like they're got their faces like superimposed on like these uh swimmers and shit and like and all this it's a weird video if you haven't seen if you haven't seen check out the love dies young video but um yeah man it's like it's real sad man i'm a i'm a big fan of the foo fighters man i've i've had a couple of albums of theirs uh 
haven't haven't really enjoyed the last album I think I really enjoyed from the Foo Fighters was uh, Sonic Hot, not Sonic Highways. Uh, oh my God, what's that one? Uh, Dying Light. I think it's called Dying Light. Uh, Dying Light is the last album that I really, really, really enjoyed from the Foo Fighters. They had a lot of good. They had a lot of good songs on that one. Sonic Highways was okay. It's not my favorite. I didn't. I didn't listen to uh, the, the the other album too much. Oh, God dang it! Because they put out an album before. Uh, I mean, after Sonic Highways, all the stuff after Sonic Highways, I wasn't really a fan of. I mean, like they had some good songs on there, but I wasn't really a fan of the uh, of that stuff after Sonic Highways uh, was Concrete and Gold because they had Concrete and Gold and now they got, they got Medicine at Midnight is the two albums I'm, I'm talking about. Not really a fan. Wasn't really a fan of Concrete and Gold. Uh, I haven't listened to Medicine at Midnight. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Haven't, haven't really had the chance to listen to Medicine at Midnight. Uh, but uh, before all that, I, I enjoyed I, I enjoyed uh wasted Li- wasted light is what it was called. I enjoyed wasted life uh wasted light. Sorry, <laughs> I enjoyed echoes, silence, patience, and grace. I thought that was a good album. In your honor is a great album. One by one's a great album. Uh, there's nothing left to lose. Is I the color and the shape is fucking phenomenal. I love that album, and the first album's good. You know, but. Yeah, man, they had they got a lot of good albums. So like, it's just it's just kind of sad that 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 he died so young, man. Cause I'm I was a fan, man. I was a real good fan, real big fan, man, of the Foo Fighters. But I st- still am to a point, you know. Cause I said not really digging their new shit too much, but still I'm still a fan of them. They they look like great guys, man. All those guys look like stand up good dudes, man. And it's kind of sad that, that that this happened. But man, rest in peace to Taylor, man. Um, now moving on to the to the to the business at hand. <laughs> uh, there's two things I want. There's two uh, things I want to talk about on things I watched this week. Uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out which one I want to talk about first because like both these things. Because I got one thing that is just. I think I'll talk about this first. I think I'll talk about the Atlanta uh, premiere. Uh, Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, the TV show with Donald Glover, uh, premiered. It had its uh, third season premiere, which we've been waiting for a while for this show. I want to say the last season was in like 2018. I want to say because the show came out in like 2016, I believe, right? Because, like, it comes out, it has, like, a long hiatus. It, it's supposed to have, like, a year hiatus, I believe. And then it comes back. Because the first ep- cause the first season was in 2016, I believe. And then they had a hiatus, and then it came back in 2018. And then they had an hiatus. I think they were filming the show, and then the pandemic happened, so they had to stop. They had to, they had to shut down production. And then, like... Uh, the pandemic, like, you know, started coming down. We got the vaccines and shit. And then they went back to shooting. 
And I think they shot, I think what they said, they shot season three and season four back to back. I don't know when they're going to release season four, but season three is out now. So, so yeah, um, this first episode, my God, you want to talk about starting off a season with a bang. You want to talk about starting off a season with a bang? You can t- you can you can go here. Uh, <laughs> the ep- first episode of Atlanta is really. And this is Donald Glover. This is Donald Glover. So saying that something that he did is really strange is an understatement. You know, <laughs> it's an understatement because like the even like this episode starts off weird. Uh, I'm not gonna go into details about the, I'm not gonna go into details about the episode, like, the episode in, I'm not gonna go, like, shot for shot for shot for shot with the episode. You can go and watch it. I don't wanna ruin it for anybody. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, but, the guy, like, Donald Glover is a fucking genius. I'm just gonna say it. (laughs) Donald Glover's a fucking genius. But I hope for Donald Glover, I hope that he doesn't get lost in just, just, just in just his weirdness, you know, because it seems like that's the that's the thing uh, that's going on in Hollywood today is just just weird black people, <laughs> you know, like it's weird black people. It's kind of the thing. And it all started with uh, Get Out. Get Out. Jordan Peele made Get Out. Because I I really don't want Donald Glover and Jordan Peele to be fighting on who's the weirdest. Who the weird? I I can say this. I'm black. Uh, Who's the weirdest nigga? You know, like, who's the weirdest nigga who can out-weird the other? You know, because it seems like they're in a race to see who can weird out the other guy. You know, and then you got um, uh, Misha Green, uh, who's the weird black chick. <laughs> she did Lovecraft Country. You know, she did that, and I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what she's doing yes, uh, what she's doing next. I don't know what she's doing next. She's got um, she's got a deal with Apple. I know she's got a deal with Apple. And she's developing something with Apple, and I don't know what that's gonna be, but uh, you know, she—they're having a—they're having a weird off. And I love, I love Lovecraft Country. Uh, you heard me talk. I think you, you heard me talk about it on this podcast. I think it's a—I think it was a brilliant fucking show. Uh, I love the stuff that uh, Jordan Peele does. I'm looking forward to Nope. Uh, I love Get Out. Get Out's a phenomenal movie. Us is I. I ain't gonna lie. Us is kind of like, well, maybe, maybe that was a fluke. You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. But like, it's not a terrible movie. The ending's a little weak, but it's not a terrible movie. I'm not gonna say the ending's weak. The last maybe 15, 20 minutes of the movie is kind of weak. You know, like it, it, it doesn't land. It doesn't stick that landing <laughs> at the end like Get Out does. But yeah, 
I was just I was, let, let's let's just see what Nope does, and I was I'm just saying I just hope that him and Donald Glover don't get into a weird off, you know, because this episode uh is really weird, but it's genius. I got to say it, it's fucking genius. I love this episode. I'm like I'm like as much shit as I'm talking right now. I love the first episode of Atlanta because it's just so much it's just so much weirdness mixed with social commentary and I think uh, that's where uh, Donald Glover uh, is best even though I just say I hope they don't have a weird off he doesn't have a weird off with Jordan Peele Uh, I think he has a social commentary to he really does have a social commentary to his weirdness and I think this uh what they want from Jordan Peele cause after us after us I don't think that Jordan Peele's doing any more social commentary honestly uh us is just a horror film I think nope is just gonna be a horror film don't that's what I hate ever since when you do one thing especially nowadays especially nowadays when you do one thing with social commentary in it they expect everything you do to have a meaning and not everything you do is going to have a meaning it's not it's not sometimes you just want to make a dumbass movie you know sometimes you just want to make a dumbass movie you know you know it's like a uh, Tarantino. It's like Tarantino in the '90s. It's just like everything he was supposed to do was supposed to be a commentary on life and shit, and uh, a commentary on uh, the underworld and shit like that. And it's just like I don't want him to do that all the fucking time. I really don't. Which I got a Tarantino review coming up uh, sometime later this year. Uh, sometime later this year, I'm already planning on it. It's a it's a movie he did in the, in the, in the past 10 years. So, uh, I, I got some thoughts on it. I got some thoughts on it and they may be controversial. So I'm letting you guys know for firsthand that I'm planning on, I'm, I'm, I'm I got something planned for a Tarantino movie coming up in, 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 in later months. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, when I, when I post that, but it's like everything you do, it's like everything Jordan Peele does has to have a social commentary, and it, it's, it's not the case. I don't even think Nope is going to be a social commentary. You're going to be looking for social commentary and Nope, and you're going to be disappointed. And I think that's why people were disappointed in us. I I, I, just, I was just disappointed in us because it had a stupid ending. <laughs> really? <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. He can make a movie with a stupid ending. It's fine. Hey, I I wasn't looking at that movie for social commentary. I really wasn't. Um, I was looking at that movie because I just wanted to see what it was about. You know, <laughs> I just wanted to see what I'm like. What's he doing? What's what, what's he got in mind here? But nope, everybody's gonna be looking for social. Com- I feel like everybody's gonna be looking for social commentary and nope, and they're not gonna find it. But Atlanta is different. I think. Uh, Donald Glover puts social commentary in everything because even that beginning, the beginning of that episode has social commentary, but then it but then it gets weird. 
<laughs> the whole episode. Because uh, this whole episode is, he's kind of, because like, none of the, because I'm, 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 I'm going to let you guys know first off that none of the characters, none of the main characters from Atlanta are in this episode. We follow, we're following this little boy, this whole episode, this little black kid. And what happens is he's disruptive in class. He's disruptive in class. And his mom comes to the school and she, uh, she pretty much, she, she chastises him. She chastises him in front of, in front of his, uh, principal and in front of his teacher and well, not in front of the teacher. Um, the teacher walks in the teacher kind of walks in on her chastising her son, which is what she's supposed to do. He did something. She's supposed to chastise him. He's, he's supposed to get punished. And this is a white teacher, by the way. Uh, this white teacher who, 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 who watched a little bit too much Dangerous Minds <laughs> and thinks she could be a white savior uh, interjects her nose. She sticks her nose in this family's affairs. And she gets this kid taken away from his family. She gets this kid taken away from his family and he goes to live with a white family. Like a white lesbian couple. He goes to live with a white lesbian couple who collects black children. They collect black children. And it just it just gets it just gets crazy from there. I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop it right there. But the thing that um he's uh I wanna say parrot uh, parroting uh is kind of a parody of a real life story, uh, there was a story about a lesbian couple, uh, and, like, they were called the Hart family, uh, I think one of the ladies was named, like, Jennifer Hart or something, I, I heard, I've, I've seen videos on them, I heard the story, uh, one of the kids is actually, uh, was at a Black Lives Matter rally, and, like, if you ever seen the meme or the picture of the black kid, in the uh, fedora hat, there's a black kid in a fedora hat and a leather jacket, and he's crying and he's holding a cop. He's like hugging a cop. He's one of the heart kids. He's one of those kids. And what happened was, those kids were put in a van. First of all, they were they were they were they were abused by these lesbians. They were abused by this lesbian couple. Uh, they were malnourished. They were they were they were forced to do things. And what happened was, at the end, they got put in a van. There were six of these kids. They got put in a minivan, and the couple drove. This happened in California, by the way. The couple drove off a cliff, killed them and the kids. That's what happens. And so that's what this episode of Atlanta is uh talking about. That's what it's talking about. And I caught on right. I caught on right from the jump because me and my wife were watching it. And I caught on right from the jump. I'm like, oh shit. I was like, oh shit. I know what this is about. I was like, <laughs> that's what I told my wife. I'm like, I know this story. This is real. I was like, this really fucking happened. I was like, <laughs> I was like. <laughs> And like I had to tell my wife about the story and shit. Like I was like, this shit's real. Like this really happened. 
And but yeah. So go check that episode out, man. It's really, it's really, really good. Uh they had an episode two, which was kind of weak. This is where the, the 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 main characters uh step in there out of they're out of the country. They're in uh I think they're in uh Amsterdam. They're in Amsterdam. And it's just them being weirded out by Amsterdam people. <laughs> really, that's what it is. It wasn't it wasn't really a strong the second episode wasn't really strong. We'll see where the third one goes. Hopefully they go back to Atlanta on the third episode. <laughs> Hopefully they go back to Atlanta, but we shall see. Uh but yeah, happy the show's back. I'm gonna be watching it weekly to see what to see what happens. Moving on to uh, something that I'm pretty sure a lot of people haven't seen. Uh, this is actually a recommendation. Instead of instead of saying this is a review, this is not really a review. This is going to be a recommendation. I recommend you guys to watch a documentary on Amazon called Fat Tuesdays. Uh, it's based the documentary is about black comedy it's about black stand-up comedy and it's about how black comedy started to uh really blow up in the 90s it's about the really about the it's about the black comedy explosion of the 90s of the 1990s and which i kind of which i kind of touched on on in my uh you so crazy review go back you can go back and listen to that uh my you so crazy review about the uh uh which i when i reviewed like martin lawrence's uh stand-up special uh you so crazy uh and i was talking about how martin lawrence i was talking about how martin lawrence really brought black comedy to the mainstream he was like the one that like like it wasn't like no, um, it wasn't like like no Eddie Murphy shit or no uh, Richard Pryor thing. But like he like when he was like, cause his comedy was raw in theirs really, because he was talking about it. It just had like a hip hop twang to it. Uh, Eddie wasn't really hip hop. Richard definitely wasn't hip hop, you know. But Martin was really Martin was the hip hop comedian, and. He kind of ushered in. He kind of ushered in this era, this, this era of hip hop comedy, and it, it it just exploded. And it's really about that. And because there was another comedian named Guy Tory, uh, you may know him. He was the black guy in uh, American History X. Uh, that's like his, that's that's like his biggest role. His biggest role in mainstream in mainstream media is uh, American History X. He was the black guy that was hanging out with Edward Norton in American History X. He's a comedian. His, his name is Guy Tory. He also has a brother who is a comic named Joe Tory. Uh, and those two, I mean, and he started. What happened was he started a night at the comedy store where all the black comedians can come. And uh, apply their craft, and he called it Fat Tuesdays. So like the comed- the black comedians would come because they had nowhere. Because really, the black comedians had nowhere to go. They really didn't. 
in the eighties, in the eighties, they had to go to white. They had to go to like white um, stand up, uh, stand up uh, clubs, and you know it, they talked about that at the beginning. They were like, they were like, they were like comedy in the eighties. <laughs> they were like comedy in the seventies, seventies, and the eighties was very like white dominated. And like you, even they were even they were even talking about the comedy store. They were even talking about the comedy store. They were talking about how like the comedy store was like really white, you know, <laughs> you know. And it was like there was like only a handful. There was like only a handful of black people there. Uh, it was like John. It was John with a spoon. It was Eddie Murphy. It was Richard Pryor, and it was Paul Mooney. That's it. And maybe I think maybe George Wallace. You know, like that's it. Those are those were the five black guys that they let in the comedy store and let perform. John with a spoon, Richard Pryor. I was like Richard Pryor, like Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Paul Mooney, uh, and uh, like George Wallace or something. I think I said I I already blanked on the on the names. I'm sorry, but uh, but yeah, those were a handful of black guys that they let perform at the comedy store in the '80s, and they were talking about how like other like other black comedians they couldn't really get in there they couldn't really get in they couldn't really get in any stage time uh steve harvey's on the steve harvey's on the documentary talking about how missy sure didn't like his brand of comedy you know like missy sure runs the comedy runs the comedy store she's also paulie shore's mom uh which is which is you know how paulie sure got his career now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because his mom is in the business, but uh, anyway, uh, anyway, yeah, Mitzi Shaw, like, they were talking about how Mitzi Shaw, she was like, she was very, like, she didn't really like a lot of black comedians, you know, she was like, it was like a handful of black comedians she would just let in, and now those were the guys I named, but, um, but yeah, it's a great, it's a great documentary. They talk, they just talk about the rise of black comedy, man. Like, you could check it out. You could check it out for yourself. There's a lot of, there's a lot of great comedians on there. Dave Chappelle's on there. Like I say, Steve Harvey's on there. Uh, Tiffany Haddish is on there. Uh, 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 I'm trying to think of, trying to think of somebody else. Uh, who else is on there? Who else is on there? Snoop Dogg's there for some reason. I don't know why Snoop is there. Snoop, the two, the three most out of place people on this, uh, on this whole documentary of Snoop Dogg, John Sally, the basketball player, and, uh, what's it, what's that name? Regina King. Regina King is here. I was like, she's not a comedian. None of these people are comedians. I was on there. Anthony Anderson's on there. Jay Farrow from Saturday Night Live's on there. This is, Bunch of bunch of comedian Chris Tucker's on there. Uh, great documentary, man! Like, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. It's a three part. It's a three part documentary. Uh, talking about pretty much talking about the rise of black comedy and how Guy Tory started this uh, night for black comedy called uh, Fat Tuesdays. Uh, go check it out. I've rambled on for long enough. Let's. I'm gonna get into the review of Blank Check right after these messages. Alright guys, welcome back to the show. Blank check from 1994. Let's 
talk about how I saw this as a kid. I remember my parents taking me to see this movie in the theater, uh, for one. I remember, like, this is, like, this is, this movie actually, uh, sticks out in my mind <laughs> as a movie I saw, as a movie I saw in the theater when I was, when I was a kid. I had to be, this is 94, so I was, like, nine? I want to say I was nine. I was nine years old when I saw this movie, like, either eight or nine, because my birthday's late. So I was probably eight, I was probably eight years old. When I saw this movie. And I also remember uh, having this movie on VHS and watching it a lot. Like, I watched this tape a lot. I think there was like, because I had this, I had The Lion King, I had Angels in the Outfield, and the, uh, the Power Rangers movie. And I think like those are like those are like the four movies I watched a lot. I watched Blank Check, <laughs> Angels in the Outfield, <laughs> The Lion King, and Power Rangers. Like those are the movies. Those are the movies that I ran out. I ran the Power Rangers. I think I watched the Power Rangers movie the most because that movie. I watched that movie so much that I ran out the tape. And the tape got stuck in the VHS. The tape got stuck in the in the in the VHS player. And my dad had to rip it out. You know, he had to rip it out. He had to like take something and get it out. And the tape was destroyed. And my dad had to buy me and my dad had to buy me a new Power Ranger tape. And he just pretty much told me, he pretty much told me, hey, don't watch this shit a lot. You know? <laughs> He like I ain't trying to pay for a new I ain't trying to play for pay for a new uh VCR. And I was like, damn man. <laughs> but yeah, man, this is this is a movie I, I watched a lot. I wanna say the last time I watched this movie was like in 1998. That's a long time. Between now doing this review and actually really watching it. I think that was the last time I watched it in like 1998 when I was like 12. I was 12 or 13. Like I said, my birthday's late. I was supposed to be 13 in 1990, but I was probably fucking 12. So, yeah, so like, that was the last time I watched Blank Check up until this movie review. Uh, let's get into the technical. This movie was directed by Rupert Wainwright, who is also a, a music video director, which explains a lot about how this movie was shot and I'll talk about that I'll talk about that later on in the review uh the screenplay was written by Blake Snyder and Kobe Carr the movie the movie had a budget of 13 million dollars and brought in a 39 million dollars at the box office so it made his money back it wasn't a big it wasn't like a big huge success but at least it made his money back the movie has a Rotten Tomato score of 9%. 9%. Which is probably the lowest scored movie I've ever reviewed. I don't think I've ever reviewed. I'm trying to go back in my head. Since I started doing the Rotten, Tom- the Rotten Tomato score in, in my reviews, I don't think I've reviewed a movie with a lower score than Blank Check. I don't think I have. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, 
let's get into the review. This movie is really from the 90s. This is a, this is a very very 90s movie. Uh because uh back, uh back in the day Disney was doing like a lot of these like live action kids movies in the 90s. I contribute that to the success of Home Alone because everyone was trying to find the next Macaulay Culkin. Like, just this, like, adorable, but wise beyond his years kid with charisma. And, like, everybody was looking for one. They had a whole bunch of, they had a whole bunch of kids. Like, being a kid star in the 90s was a huge deal. Because you had a whole bunch of them. You had Jonathan Taylor Thomas. You had uh, Devin Sawa. You had... um, uh, what's that kid? Yeah, the kid that went on to be an American Pie. What's his name? I forgot his name. Uh, he's the uh, not Jason Biggs, but he's the other kid. There's like four of them, I know. But <laughs> the uh, he's like the little, he's like the little short kid with the curly hair. Him, he was a he was a child actor in the '90s, and he was kind of he was kind of popping. You had uh, like uh, Joshua Jackson with the Mighty Ducks. Uh, you had that uh, that other black kid. You had that black kid that was in the Mighty Ducks. He was in a lot of shit as a kid. Um, I forgot his name. Uh, God dang, there was a lot of. Let's not even talk about the fucking females. You had Thor Birch. You had uh, Mara Wilson. Uh, the Lawrence brothers, like Joey Lawrence and Matthew Lawrence and Andrew Lawrence. Yeah, them. Uh. But like I said, like you had, like yeah, the, the 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 females. You had Thor Birch. You had um, I say Mara Wilson. You had uh, Scarlett Johansson for a little bit. Scarlett Johansson was a uh, was a was a was a was a child actress. She was a child star at one point. Yeah, Christina Ricci. She was a child star at one point. Uh, you had all of them. You had uh, Elijah Wood was a child star. Like there was there was a big market. For uh, for kids, for kids in the '90s, the '90s was very kid centric, kid centric, and like Disney cornered the market on this. Uh, they ended up cornering the market for years to come because, like, the Disney Channel, because you had like Hillary Duff, and they they just keep pumping out Disney kids: Hillary Duff, Zac Efron, Vanessa Hutchins, uh, Raven Simone. Orlando Brown. Uh, <laughs> still, uh, Zendaya. Zendaya's a huge star now. She started out as a child actress. Selena Gomez, you know, started out on the Disney Channel. She's she's a she's a big actress. She's an actress now. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of like being a kid in the '90s. Uh, most likely, like your your parents tried to make you a child star. You. you because like they were looking at all these kids making all this money and it was like god damn you you should go out there and do that go do that shit you know <laughs> i think i think even like my mom tried to make me a child actor you know <laughs> oh because like because like i think like actually my mom tried to make me a child singer because there were a lot of child singers too because like uh there was a lot of child singers too because you had usher you had tevin campbell you know you had like all those type of uh child singers in the 90s and uh that's my hit that's my hidden talent i can sing 
I'm not gonna do it here, but uh, that's my hidden talent. I can sing, so like, my mom was trying to make me a child singer, and then I probably would have became a child actor. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, but Disney cornered Disney cornered the goddamn market on this genre, man. Get Brian Bonzo, who before this he was on Family Ties as the Atticid gimmick because the show was winding down and it was losing ratings. Because that's what uh, shows did. That's what sitcoms did. It was if the show started winding down and the show was losing ratings, they would add a new character. Most of the time, a kid. It started with the Brady Bunch. With Cousin Oliver. They call it the Cousin... They call it the Cousin Oliver Syndrome. Is what they call it. The Cousin Oliver Syndrome. They'd be like, oh, let's just add a new kid. Um, like Family Ties did it. Uh, uh, what's her name? God dang it! The Cosby Show did it. Raven Simone is an ad kid because all the kids were starting to get older. Because by the time like the show ended, like Rudy was a teenager, so they was like, we need a new cute kid. Um, Fresh Prince did it. Uh, Family Matters did it. There was a, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of shows that did like an ad kid. Um. Uh, Recently, Blackish did it. <laughs> we don't really get to see that kid. We don't really get to see that kid, and they kind of make fun of it. But he's there. Um, but yeah, man, there's a lot of ad kids. But like, yeah, Brian Bonzo was the ad kid on Family Ties. And here, uh, Brian Bonzo plays Preston, who, who's a kid who's just tired of being a broke boy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> his situation. His situation is hilarious, especially when he goes to this kid Butch's birthday party. Because, uh, first of all, first of all, uh, Preston's dad is a fucking cheapskate. He is a cheapskate. Like, I understand, because, like, I understand, as a parent myself, I understand, like, teaching your kids the value of a dollar. But the way that Preston's dad does it is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> because, like, sending your kid to a birthday party at a theme park with only two dollars that shit is whack whack as fuck like you can at least like spot the kid a 20 i mean like he's only 10 years old he's only 10 i mean what like what the fuck is what the fuck is a 10 year old gonna do with two dollars at a theme park come on man like if you ask me, like Preston's dad is the real broke boy. If you ask me, and <laughs> Preston like flat out asked his dad at one point. He was like, "Dad, are we broke?" You know, and he's just like, "Nah, nah, we're not broke." <laughs> it's just funny, and it's like his mom's like covering it up. Nah, we just gotta watch our spending. That's all, and all this shit. But um, yeah. But yeah, but. After all that shit, we also meet the villain Quigley, played by uh, the late Miguel Ferrier. And he's like your run-of-the-mill, like, kids movie villain. Like, you know, he's scary, but not too scary. Because this is still a kids movie. He can't, like, outright murder anybody, you know, or some shit like that to show that he's a real bad dude, you know. But So, he just looks mean you know <laughs> that's just it <laughs> just looks mean uh preston also has a love interest uh 
named Shay, played by Karen Duffy, who's, by the way, she's a 30-year-old woman, by the way. She's, like, a grown-ass woman. I mean, like, Karen Duffy was a hottie in the 90s. I'm not gonna lie, you know, Karen Duffy is hot as fuck. Uh, I, I remember her on MTV. She used to be an MTV VJ named Duff. And, because you had Duff, because it was kind of funny, because you had Duff, and you had Kennedy, and you had Kennedy, um, which I don't lie, I kind of had a crush on both of them, I had kind of a crush on Duff and Kennedy, uh, but I think Kennedy's like a fucking right-wing lunatic now, so I don't really fuck with her no more, but so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Karen Duffy was a hottie in the 90s, like, but I don't understand why they would have her be the love interest of a 10 year old boy it's just it's just weird and like we'll talk about this odd relationship later on in the movie we're gonna talk more about this um the movie almost turns into pet cemetery because preston almost gets ran over by quickly's car (laughs) he almost gets hit by quickly's car uh, and that's where uh, Quigley gives Preston the infamous blank check because Quigley's on the run from the law. We don't really go into that very often. That the fact that this guy's a fucking fugitive, but we they're like, you guys know he's a fugitive. We're just not gonna talk about it anymore. Is what they do. Uh, so he gets the, he gets the uh, the blank check and preston commits bank fraud pretty much and makes the check out to a million dollars and basically steals quigley's blood money ah 90s kid movie um in the early 90s in the early 90s that's what they did you know (laughs) but also it's the early 90s so what's missing from this movie i'll give you five seconds that's right, Tone Loke. But never fear, Tone Loke is here as Juice. Uh, Tone Loke is like pretty much like Quigley's like do dirt guy. He, like his name is Juice, and they really don't explain how Juice and Quigley know each other, and they don't explain how Quigley got his money. I just came to the conclusion that they used to run drugs together. That's what I read. Like that's that's the conclusion I came to. Like they were they were drug runners. Like Juice was the muscle, and then he got caught. Like Juice got away, or he did his time, and he got out, and and Quigley was still in prison, and because like he's he the, he the goddamn mastermind of the shit, and he uh, escaped from prison and hid his money, and now we we in this situation right here where uh preston uh commits bank fraud and takes uh drug money it's a lot darker than <laughs> i imagine it to be <laughs> you know like when you think about it like that it's, that's a that's a dark fucking movie <laughs> but <laughs> but also uh also preston buys a home from the computer i mean like I don't mean like he goes on like a goddamn website because there's a whole bunch of websites out now. He didn't go on like trulia.com or or uh, what's that other one? 
You didn't go on like redfin.com or some shit like that. You didn't go, uh, what's, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of fucking home house websites. You didn't go on like any of those websites and like, oh, I like this house. Let me see. Let me see the stats on it. Oh, two bedrooms, like four bedrooms, four baths. Oh wow! Uh, what's 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 the what's the what's the crime ratio in that neighborhood? What, are there any good schools there? He didn't do that shit. Uh, you know, he didn't do any of that. He um, he literally bought his house from the computer because, like, he bid on the house from the computer. This is 1994, so people don't quite know how computers work yet. So. Really, this scene is the most far-fetched scene in the whole goddamn movie. Also, Shay turns out to be an FBI agent, which makes the, her relationship with Preston even weirder. So, <laughs> you got that going on. Uh, uh, Preston uh, has all this money, and he doesn't want his parents to know, right? So, like, he starts going under an alias called Macintosh, who he pretends to work for. That's like his thing, cause like he doesn't want his parents to know, and it's weird to have a ten-year-old with a million dollars. So, <laughs> so like it's weird to have a kid with a million dollars. So he had to have he had to have an alias, cause like they wouldn't let him really buy shit as a ten-year-old boy. So he pretends to work for this guy named Macintosh. Also, there's a scene up in here where, like, Preston just, like, pulls up on Shay and starts macking on her in a limo. He just, start, he just like, Preston just starts, like, parking lot pimping. You know? <laughs> he just starts parking lot pimping on Shay, just, just macking on her right from the limo. He's like, hey, yo, um, you want to go on a date or something? Like, this grown-ass woman, this woman's, like, 30, by the way. And he just starts fucking macking on her. Like, he a grown-ass man and shit. <laughs> it's weird. It gets even weirder as the movie goes along. Uh, so, Preston got this money, so now he just starts balling out of control like a rapper. He's got, like, this big-ass house. He's buying all this shit. He's got, like, a fucking... He's got, like, a fucking big-ass pool with, like, a fucking slide or a water slide. He's got, like, this big-ass game room. He's got, like, a fucking boxing ring. Oh, I got race, got a race car track. Like, this motherfucker balling out of control. Like, he's a fucking basketball player or a rapper or some shit. Uh, this movie also has a lot of montages with Preston playing with his limo driver. Uh, forgot about his limo driver. His limo driver. I forgot his limo driver's name. God damn it. <laughs> I forgot the limo driver's name. Uh, shit. What was the limo driver's name? Henry. His name is Henry. Uh, yeah, he goes, he's playing with his limo driver. There's a whole bunch of... It's like, there's at least, like, three montages of him playing around with his limo driver. And I was like, n- n- looking at that now, I'm like, why? And figured it out. It's because the director is a fucking music video director. You know <laughs> That's why it was like, oh okay, okay, I understand now. <laughs> Look, he's he's a music video director. He's just doing what he knows best, he's make making music videos. And this movie is kind of shot like a music video. You look at the way this movie is shot; it's shot like a music video. There's a lot of music in it. 
there's a lot of uh like bright colors you know and shit like that even like the ending i'm not even gonna go into too much into the ending but even like a like the ending of it it looked like a fucking uh video it looked like a music video uh because cause i think i said <laughs> i think i said <laughs> while watching it, while watching this movie, I said towards the end, I was like, this looks like the Return of the Mac music video. <laughs> and I was like, and I looked it up, I was like, that's why, because the fucking director is a music video director. But anyway, moving on. Shay is a straight gold digger. I'm just playing. Like, but Preston does become a part of a FBI investigation, so. <laughs> So like, like it turns out that like Shay's just fo- Shay's following him because she wants to know what fucking Macintosh does for a living. Because like she like does this motherfucker run drugs? Like what the fuck is he doing? Uh, but Shay does start falling for a ten year old boy, a ten year old boy. Does no one see a problem with this? It's just. Everybody, like, even his limo driver's like, yo, man, you know, this is kind of, it's kind of weird, bro. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you over here, she's like fucking 30 something, you like 10, bro. Like, calm, calm down, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, like, nobody sees a problem with this, but it's Karen Duffy. Like, this movie really does find, like, ways to sexually objectify Karen Duffy. Like, there's a there's a scene where just like they did straight up just shoot her legs, like it's just all legs. She has some great fucking legs, by the way. But still, it's just all legs. <laughs> and there's another scene where they managed to get her wet in a water fountain. That scene goes on for at least like two minutes. It's a long fucking scene where like her and Preston are running around in the goddamn water fountain. Her dress is getting wet. Her dress. She's got like this little like fucking mini skirt dress on too. Like the, like the fucking skirt part of the dress is like coming up. You can see her ass. And <laughs> this is a Disney movie, by the way. This is a Disney movie. And you can kind of see like her panties. Like you so like pretty much you're like looking at her ass. And, <laughs> and like they, they find ways to sexually objectify Karen Duffy in a fucking kids movie. Uh... One thing I had a problem with in this movie. There's one thing I had a problem with in this movie. This movie has a plot hole. Because at the beginning of the movie, Preston gets his bike ran over by Quigley's car. And that's where Quigley gives Preston the blank check. Which you would think it's harmless. Like, you, like Preston don't know that this guy's a criminal. He just got hit by his got his bike got hit by his car and he was like oh shit um uh let me let me let me write a check for you and he like and he didn't fill it out because the cops were looking for his ass so uh he like, he just like hey here take it and he, like your parents don't know what to do with this shit get get the fuck out of my face and he's just like <laughs> and that was that and but there's a scene where he sees Quigley for the second time and he gets scared. And he runs from him. Like the question is. How does he know that Quigley's a bad guy. If they never had an inter- any interaction with each other. Past the incident they had in the parking lot. Where his bike got ran over. 
How does he know that this guy is a criminal? He doesn't. He just takes the money. And, like, he doesn't know he's a criminal. He runs into Juice again. He doesn't know that Juice is a criminal. You know, like, he don't know that Juice is a bad dude. They just ran into each other at the bank. And Juice was nice to him, actually. Juice was nice to him and picked up, he picked up his backpack and he's like, you need to go to school. He's like, why your ass ain't in school? Or something like that, he said. <laughs> like, Juice wasn't, Juice wasn't, like, mean to him or anything. But, but all of a sudden, he sees Quigley and he sees Juice. He's like, oh, shit, bad guys, run, you know? <laughs> it was like, that was a plot hole to me. And it just, like, took me out of the goddamn movie. Uh, The rest of this movie just turns into another... Home Alone ripoff, really. Like, the last 30 minutes of this movie is a fucking Home Alone ripoff. It's like Brian Bonsell doing his best Macaulay Culkin impersonation, pretty much. Uh, even when, like, he opens the door and he sees Quigley and Juice and uh, Bitterman, who's played by, uh, what's that actor's name? Michael Lerner. Even when he sees the three of them, I expected uh, Quigley to say, Hiya, kid. Cause that's what Joe Pesci says in uh, Home Alone, uh, <laughs> but he kind of does say something like that. But yeah, it's, it's a fucking Home Alone ripoff, man. That's all they did. They did all this shit just to be like, let's rip off Home Alone. Everybody's doing it now. <laughs> so, but yeah, it got that. It gets weird at the end when uh, Shay, cause Shay comes in and rescues uh, Preston because she's an FBI agent, you know. So, like, when Preston, when it looks like Preston's about to get dealt with, Shay comes in with her gun. She's like, freeze, FBI, and all this shit. And she's got her FBI dudes with her and shit. And quickly, everybody gets arrested. But this is where it gets weird. Uh, it gets weird at the end when Shay actually kisses Preston in the mouth. They have, like, a real fucking kiss. It wasn't like... Oh, you're a cute kid. I'm going to kiss you on your forehead or kiss you on the cheek. It's a real, like, mouth kiss. This 30-year-old woman, this 30-year-old woman kisses a 10-year-old boy in the mouth. Like, where's Chris Hansen when you need him, huh? Because it's weird. Because I don't like this shit. Because even back then, especially back then, even now, this kind of like double standards. Because... We've seen, like, these teachers, these female teachers, like, go to jail for sleeping with their students. Like, they sleep with their students. Yeah, like, Mary Kay Letourneau and uh, Brittany Zamora and, like, all these other uh, teachers that have, like, done stuff with their male students and they've, they've gone to prison for it. But there's a lot of guys that say, oh, man, I wish... I wish I had that when I was in school, you know? And it's just like, no, you, I was like, dude, you, you wish you were molested. <laughs> you, know, like, you, you wish you were sexually molested as a child. Cause that's what that is. It's child molestation. And, uh, I, I know it's fun. I know it's fun when you're a kid and your hormones are racing and you just want to, you just want to stick your dick in everything. I understand that. Like you're home. Oh my god. Oh fuck. I'm, I'm gonna stick my dick in that. You know. But, but it's wrong when a woman, when a grown ass woman does that to you. It's not cool. It's not cool. Cause if this movie was about 
a little girl, a 10-year-old girl, and the FBI agent was a 30-year-old man, and they were getting this intimate with each other, and a 30-year-old man kissed a 10-year-old girl in the mouth, you're gonna want to, you're gonna want to fucking cut this guy's fucking balls off. I already know it. It's a double fucking standard. And I feel like you need to protect your little boys just as much as you need to protect your little girls. Okay? Like, even when I have a son, if I ever have a son, I'm gonna, I'm gonna protect him from predators just as much as I protect my daughter. Okay? It's, it's not cool. It's not cool for a grown-ass woman. I don't care how fucking hot she is. And she's hot. But I don't care how fucking hot she is. She should not be kissing a fucking 10-year-old boy in the mouth. It's not cool. It's not cool at all. But that's, that's, I'm going to get off my soapbox right now. Um, let's talk about the rest of this movie. Like, this pretty much, it's just another generic kids movie. Other than the, 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 the pedophilic undertones. <laughs> other than the pedophilic undertones. It's just another generic kids movie. It has all the familiar beats of a generic kids movie. Like, it's just trying to be Home Alone. In the end of the day, it's just a Home Alone ripoff. Uh, Tone Loke is actually the best part of the movie. And I forgot to mention, uh, the, for the little time, for the little time that Debbie Allen is in the movie. <laughs> For the little time that Debbie Allen in the movie is in the movie, she's funny. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, it, it's whatever. Uh, this movie does have a lot of tragedy connected to it. Sadly, uh, like most of the cast, most of the cast is dead. Half of the cast is dead. Um, like either they either they're dead or they've had life issues that have been difficult. Uh, like the lead kid, the lead kid Brian Bonsall, who plays Preston, like kept going to jail in his adult life, like for assault and like drug charges. It's like I think he had like two like assault charges against him uh, for like beating up his girlfriend. I think he was like beating his girlfriend, uh, and like he had some drug he had some drug charges. But like it, it kind of seems. I looked him up, and like it kind of seems like he uh, finally got his life together. He's married. He has a kid, and like he's in a rock band now. So, um, and he was saying like, hey, like he was talking about like, he like he hasn't gotten. He really hasn't gotten into trouble in like ten years. So it looks like it finally looks like he might have gotten his life together. Um, a year after this movie, uh, Karen Duffy was diagnosed with a disease called. Scardosis, which uh, affects your brain and your spine, and like she's become the spokesperson for the disease. She even wrote a book about it, so that's what she's doing. She she doesn't really act as much. I think she does a little bit of voice acting, but she doesn't really act as much. Uh, I guess maybe because of her uh, because of her condition. So like that's mostly what she's been doing. She's really been trying to fight this disease and trying to find a cure. I think for this disease and trying to be trying to help help everybody be aware of this disease so she's got that that's what she's doing now um miguel ferrier who played uh quigley actually died in 2017 from throat cancer which is ironic because miguel ferrier has one of the coolest voices that i've ever heard you know his voice is really fucking cool 
And like he's actually he actually went on to do a lot of voiceover work in his later life. He did he did on camera work, but he he mostly did a lot of voice acting later later in his career before he passed away. So yeah, man, that that, that that's what happened to him. Tone Loke, the other guy with the most coolest voice you ever want to hear, uh, has had health issues himself over the years. He's been dealing with seizures. He's had like a bunch of seizures and he's passed out and things like that. So like he's had a lot of health issues in the in the in the past couple of years. Also, James Rebhorn, who played the father of Preston, he died in 2014 after a long battle with melanoma. Uh Rick Dunkelman, who played Henry the Limo Driver, died in 2015 due to diabetes. That was that's what took him out. Um, yeah, man, a lot of like I said, a lot of tragedy, man. A lot of tragedy in this movie between a lot of the cast members. You know, some cast members are dead. Some have had and some are having health issues. Some have had legal issues. So, yeah, a lot of shit going on. But like I said, this movie is very very generic, very hit and miss with the comedy. You know, I didn't really laugh. Like I said, Tone looks funny. Tone looks funny in here, and for the little time that Debbie Allen is in here, she's funny. Uh, but, like, the actors, I'm not blaming the actors. The actors tried their best with what they were given, but, like, this movie just falls flat. I'm not gonna be as mean as Rotten Tomatoes was <laughs> to this movie. But, like, I'm gonna give it a 3 out of 5. That's what I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a 3 out of 5. Like, it's not... A bad movie is not a good movie. It's not a terrible movie. It's not a great movie. It's just there. You know, it, like it, it's it's good to put on for a kid. You know, it's just having it like yeah. And if you want to go back and be nostalgic and watch it, you can watch it too and see what's going on in there. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Three out of five. Join me next week. I can't wait for this one. I really can't wait for this one. I've been waiting to do this movie. I've been planning to do this movie. I can't wait because this is one of my all-time, one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be reviewing 1992's Juice. Until next time, peace.